You are listening to Squid and the Ultimate Leafs Fan. Okay, good day, all. Welcome to the Squid and Ultimate Leaf Fan Show, presented by our good friends at uh, the Hockey News. I'm Mike Wilson, the Ultimate Leafs Fan, and very appropriately on my right-hand side, a right-handed shot, Mr. Ricky Squid Vive. How you doing, Squid? I'm great. I'm great. I'm uh, been pretty busy uh, doing a lot of stuff, but uh, but having fun doing it, playing a lot of alumni games. But uh, hey, I'm doing great. Well, let's just put your memory to the test right now, and let's see if we what we can uh, sort of drag out of you. March Fourteenth, nineteen eighty four. Does that happen to ring a bell with you at all? Uh. No, my memory's not that good. <laughs> as I found out. As we found out. Let's go through the nicknames again. Let's try it. I know May 14th. That's my birthday. <laughs> oh, good, great. Well, on that day, you scored two goals to become the first player in Maple Leaf franchise history to get three straight 50-goal seasons. Oh. And you guys tied the game three all against Minnesota. Well, that yeah, I was going to say that would have been Minnesota because that was the third. Uh, yeah. Detroit was the second. St. Louis the first, and Minnesota was uh, the third, yeah. Exactly yeah. right. So there, we got that out of the way. Tastes so a little bit of a bonus for us. Now, the other bonus for today, I can see that after we got our first show out of the way, arrived here today, the fobs worked. Producer Steve knew our name, so we must have done something <laughs> right so we didn't get kicked out. <laughs> they right let, us, they let us back in. That's good. <laughs> now, you know, I mean, and Billy, what a character he was. So, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, but uh, I think, uh, did he, there's probably some things he left out, I'm guessing, right? Well, afterwards, I was talking to him, and I... I and then all of a sudden, it just kind of hit me, and I and I, I completely forgot about probably the best, craziest story that you're ever going to hear about hockey in the in the National Hockey League. So Billy's uh, in the bad books with Dan Maloney and John Brophy, and and so he gets to the rink. They said, "You're not playing tonight. You're scratched. You know, get the heck out of here. Like, you know, we'll we'll see you after the game." So Billy heads over to the little Baron across the street steakhouse from uh, Maple Leaf Gardens. Has a nice big steak, a couple of glasses of wine. I think he had a couple of beer. And someone runs over and says, hey, Billy, someone got hurt in the warm-up. You got to come and play. <laughs> so he had to come back and get dressed and played. And I, I believe he had a golden assist that night. And I think he was one of the stars. So... Uh, maybe he should have played like that all the time. I don't know. But well, uh, I wonder if he could try to get that written in his contract. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I need a steak, two glasses of wine, and two beer before every game. Yeah, and about four darts to go along with. Yeah, it too, yeah. Okay, <laughs> but so. I mean, imagine that. I mean, you, you're told this, you're scratched. Get out. We don't want to see you till after the game. And then you, what are you going to do? I mean, uh, but today, could you imagine if some if a player did that today? <sighs> I mean, it just would be something else. Well, the other thing is we want to see, we want to thank the listeners out there who sent us lots of good feedback, uh, lots of positive comments, some constructive criticism as well, which we're always looking for, sharing some of your stories with us or some of the topics we may try to get to in future shows. Uh, I did get an interesting text from a very good friend of mine, Brian Dillon, part of the Dillon family that were the Sutters of their era back in the 70s with Gary Wayne. Wayne's brother? Wayne's Wayne's brother, not Wayne's world. Wayne's brother, Brian and Gary. And Gary was a heck of a player himself. Wayne was the first player to sign as an underage uh, with the Toronto Toros back in the WHA days. And Brian pointed out to me when we were talking about Austin Matthews and the 50 goals and and Tom Simpson, shotgun Simpson's name came up as the first Toronto player to really score 50 goals. And we kind of, I slushed that up. So no, that's not (laughs) the same. Brian reminded me that uh, our good friend Wayne assisted on that 50th goal. But to make some of the pressure off me go away, he pointed out, and 
Squid should have known he was his roommate for a while in Birmingham. I was in Birmingham in the WHA, but I was 19. Didn't last very long. Uh, well, Wayne's pretty quiet. Pretty yeah, he, you know, I mean, and I came in a little later pretty much every time we were on the road. And I felt bad because I'd be waking him up because he'd already be asleep. In fact, my first roommate there was Paul Henderson. Oh, boy. Were they trying to send you a message? <laughs> well, I think later on in, the, in my career they probably were. But uh, So anyway, he was my roommate, my first roommate. That lasted one night. Because I, it was we were on the road. It was our my first game. I, I actually scored my first goal, that pro goal that night, and I was out with the boys. And I don't know what time I got home, but he was enraged because uh, some reporter from PEI kept calling the room, and I guess he called about twenty times and kept waking Paul up. And then I woke him up when I came in. So uh, the next night we were on the road. That was it. I think I was my room with Wayne, I think probably, I don't know, maybe for a month or so that season. And then I just said, like, he doesn't say much. I got I gotta get a new roommate that I can that'll talk a little bit. So Well, I know he doesn't say he, he's never said much. I've known no, him my whole I know. life. He's, he's, you know, the two brothers though, Gary and Brian will fill the spots in, but oh, Wayne yeah. doesn't say well, much. I met Gary. I, I haven't met Brian, but I, I met Gary and he seems like uh, he's he he he's a pretty good talker. Great guys and a great family. Well, um, anyway, so there you go, guys. We righted that wrong. I hopefully see see we can make amends. <laughs> there, so there you go. Now, Wayne will probably listen to this in about six months, but anyway, there you go. You have it. So, uh, a couple things here with, with the NHL. Now we're in the swing part of the season or the dog days of the NHL schedule with less than a dozen games to go. The excitement seems to be building for teams that are with anticipation of who or who may not make it and what they may do once they do get into the tournament postseason. Um, you know, I know myself last year, I mean, when I would travel, I was traveling to follow the Leafs for all the games, people would come up to me and the, emphatically I would get like every time the same question about the travel and I would always tell people the same thing though i'd meet players or ex-gms or coaches or everybody they'd say what about the travel what a grind it is is he feeling it and i would just obviously say no you know it is but you guys you got to remember when you guys are traveling well you know something like if you can yeah, if your they, bus they, breaks they down they travel in luxury you're flying commercial well, you've got the, delayed flights late flights cancel flights yeah. they don't have to deal with that well that's what i try to point out and i'm going guys. like like I mean, they play in some cities, and they're back in their own beds at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know, after playing a game, so, and they're on a big A three twenty with first class seats down both sides and meals that are unbelievable. And and they have the same crew all the time, not necessarily the same pilots, but they have the same crew, so they know exactly what they drink, eat. It's there on sitting there when they get on the plane. Well, I mean, one of the things I did did point out to them, I mean, I, I did get the idea of what they were talking about because, you know, you did, I mean, it, it can weigh you down a little bit. I found myself at times, but once I got to the hockey rink, I mean, I, I mean, one story I'll tell you, I was in Las Vegas, and I hear you're in Las Vegas, I mean, the capital of entertainment. I'm sitting in my room, it's probably 6.30, 7 o'clock, I got my computer open, and I'm making notes for the column I was writing weekly for the Toronto Sun, and making notes about the trip, and fans I met, and stories, and so on and so forth. And I'm getting all these texts from guys I knew that were in town, Mike, why are you not coming out? Wills, where are you? Get out here for a beer. We'll go here. I mean, I'm just thinking, that's just another stop. I got work to do. And I'm sitting there with a coffee in Las Vegas. <laughs> so I eventually did go out and watch a game. But I guess to, to wrap that part of my, my story up and just on a small way is the fact that 
once I would enter the rinks, you would feel the energy in the arenas building as we went along. And it, it did really get, it was very powerful. And that would just, it got everybody going. Well, it, yeah, it's crunch time. And I it mean, really it's, it's down to the short strokes now. And, uh, you know, teams are fighting for positions, uh, whether they're going to have home ice or not, uh, who they're going to who they're going to face. Some of them are just, they're fighting to get into the damn playoffs. So. So, so answer this question for me, Squid. Here's one for you. This, this sort of mythical, I guess, mystery or, or talk or theory that people have that, you know, a team fighting for a playoff spot does not want to play a team out of a playoff spot because they like playing the spoiler and they have nothing to lose. Now, you've been on both sides of that equation throughout your career. I mean, what's really... Well, I mean, yeah, I think there's a little bit of truth to that. No, I mean, really, there shouldn't be because you're you're a superior team than they are. You should be relishing the fact that you've got some weak teams uh, down the stretch. But it is true to a certain degree and mainly because... The guys on those clubs are fighting for jobs for next year. And so they're working their tails off. And there's times where a team like that can come in and upset you in your building or beat you in their own building. And so and those are critical games with only 12 left in the season. So they can affect where you finish in the standings or whether or not you make the playoffs. Well, my view on that whole situation be as follows. I mean, if I'm a player not in the playoffs, you haven't done your job first off, to get in the playoffs. So it's more about job preservation than it is yeah. about worrying about another, taking two points away from another team. Uh, the bottom line is is you're in a situation, for for instance, like the Leafs are right now. Just take care of your own business. If you win, your, if you win nine out of your 12 games, you're, you're, you're in the playoffs. You don't, have, you don't even have to worry. You know, So don't worry about getting help. Uh, for Florida losing to other teams, just do what you can do, win your games, and then you don't have to worry about. Yeah, it. I mean, so scoreboard watching. Yeah, all this yeah. Stuff, just and if things go forget wrong, that. Just worry about your own team and winning your own games. Win your shift. Yep, it's quite a simple game. If Absolutely. You do that. So I think on that note, I think what we're going to do. We've got a great guest coming in to see us here today. Uh, Jim Howie McKinney. I mean, I think we could probably take up, uh, oh boy, probably do three or four podcasts with this guy, <laughs> some of the background stories he has. Seven but anyway, minutes, maybe. Well, maybe, maybe. Se maybe seven minutes while he's joining us here now. So, I mean, I think what we'll do is we'll swing right in it. Howie, welcome. Nice to be here, Mike. Great to have you. Now, listen, now, yeah. first off, for some of the listeners out there, I got some great insight in that first 10 minutes. Did I'll you really? You. Not bad, oh, eh? Was yeah. that good or what? Especially Billy D. I mean, he's my, <laughs> he's my favorite. Well, yeah. Somebody you can relate yeah, to, I think, too. Like he's, yeah. he's, he's, he he's wouldn't have got 55 goals a year if it wasn't for <laughs> Billy D., I'll tell you that. Well, you are yeah. right. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I, hey, I'm the not, best centerman in, in hockey at that time. I'm not denying that. Okay. Well, no, there was another guy that was pretty good, Gretzky. Okay, did he play with you? <laughs> no, but he, but he was playing when Billy played. You said he was the best centerman in the league. No. I'd like to see Gretzky play after eating a steak and having a couple of beers. And <laughs> I put Billy up against him anytime. Hey, now, well, that's, any, a, that's a any good time. point. I, now, speaking of which, after Howie, a steak and two glasses of wine and two beer, I think yeah, Billy would win I, that I, one. I, you go with Billy. Yeah. Okay. Now, first off, no, just before we get started on this, like just so you and this is probably right in the top of your mind, right on the tip of your tongue, on March the eleventh, nineteen seventy-two. So this day. Uh, you scored a goal and you had an assist and a 2-1 win over the California Golden Seals. How about that? God. Yeah. Are you sure about that? Oh, yeah, actually, I don't. <laughs> <jump>. <laughs> I 
in the who cares department. Okay. So how about I this? I scored first? a goal and assist against the uh, the seals on the road or at home. I think that was on their ho- on, at home. No, no thinking. Either home or on the well, road. You're supposed to know you're the guy who did it. Yeah, I don't know. I, so I answered I, this. I don't first. even remember. Uh, I don't remember any of my career. Well, let me was, ask. Let I me was ask in you a this. fog for the seventies. <laughs> well, let me ask Very you. Let's, let's start off with this one. Boy, he is. He is a beauty, isn't he? Yeah. Let, let's let's start off with this. Howie, for the listeners out there, how did you get the name Howie? Howie well, when I played junior, there was another guy on our team named Jim McKendry playing in the uh, the um, the Metro League, right? And he played on Neil McNeil with me, and so our names were so similar. And he was a veteran, so they had to get a nickname for me. So I had a facial and behavioral uh, resemblance to Howie Young, one of the finest alcoholics to ever play in the <laughs> NHL. And uh, they've been calling me Howie ever since. You know, I loved Howie too. Howie was great. I once had to jump on Ronnie Ellis in Phoenix. We are playing an exhibition game and, and uh, Red Kelly hated Howie, right? And so he was telling us to watch this guy and that Ronnie, of course, Ronnie was one of Red's one of his uh, guys. Followers, yeah. And so uh, Ronnie shoved Howie. Howie dropped the gloves and Chevy hit him right right on the button, just almost knocked him out. I, I had ju- I jumped on Ellis. <laughs> I said, come on, leave Howie alone for crying out loud. <laughs> well, yeah. um, speaking of the Metro Junior A League, a lot, and again, for listeners that are unaware, this, is, this was kind of a little bit of an out league back in the 62-63 season. Yeah, the Leafs wanted to have their own sort of uh, yes. farm, farm league. And yet yeah, that was a system there. So we had the Knob Hill... Uh, Knob Hill Farms was one of the teams. Uh, Whitby, yeah, led by Paul Henry. Yeah, the, uh, the only guy other than uh, Gordy Howe that could shoot both ways. Now he's a, a scout and a sports psychologist. Yeah, I met him. The bird. I met yeah, him. One, Paul one Henry. Of the classics. Yeah. 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 I used to run marathons with him. Oh, did you? Oh God. Yeah. One time he went to uh, one a great eater. Right. He went. He went to Montreal once, and you know those. The hot dogs with the, uh, <laughs> the, the buns. The yeah. Shea Show. Shea Show. <laughs> so he had uh, 12 of those at a, at a uh, an Expos game in the afternoon. <laughs> then he went to a Habs game that night and had another 13. Oh, jeez. So 15. I'm glad I wasn't rooming with him that night. Well, part of the part, just, just and again, just, just yeah. to sort of clarify, the Metro Junior League was there were some financial issues to deal with. But I think the biggest issue was the fact that not only the fact that Smites wanted to protect the Toronto players and have them all to themselves. St. Mike's won the, stand, or won the Memorial Cup in 1961. But the priests there were getting a little concerned with too much going towards hockey, too professional, and so on, and wanted out of the league. So Smythe, in a panic, went to them and said, well, what if we formed our own league? We made it local so there was not a lot of travel, so the kids would be in their own bed every night. We'll play most of the games at Maple Leaf Gardens, play them on weekends, and keep the league going. So the league was St. Mike's, the Toronto Marlboros, uh, Whippy Mohawks that became the Dunlops. Uh, then they became the Brampton 7-Ups and Unionville no, Seaforce. Brampton 7-Ups were a se- separate entity all, all. All together. Yeah, that's what I meant. Julie Kowalski was their big shooter. And there's all the teams. That was the Pettibone teams the first year. The, oh, yeah? Yeah, those for were what, the teams. The first year? That was the first year. Was Neil McNeil in there? And Neil McNeil, then what happens the in next St. Year. St. Mike's dominated. That's the year I went there. Uh, that's right. And then what happened was they, the St. Mike's team became Neil McNeil. Yeah. And where I'm going with all of this, and so you played at Neil McNeil, so you can tell us a little bit about that, but also after Very you guys... Very little. I didn't... Uh, yeah. 
go to Neil McNeil very often. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, it was a location problem. Way too close to Greenwood Racetrack. So I spent most of my high school years at at the uh, Oval down there. Yeah, it was good. Well, I went to know myself, and uh, a lot of guys would spend time down at the uh, Oval oh, Track. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, and then whip across the street to the Orchard Park there. That, the, that bar yeah. is still there? Beautiful. Is it? I think it's still there. No kidding. It's probably a different clientele now. It's probably a little different. Yeah, in the old days, you could get pretty well there. You could get a car there. Well, now they can. You, know, you, you could order a car, and by the time you were finished, it would be parked out front. <laughs> Yeah, well, the guys from Ira being pushed in there in wheelchairs now, so I mean, yeah, it's, it's well, a little probably, bit. Yeah, yeah, or they're gone. Well, so the uh, so that league also produced a player, and you know, and I know you probably had a nickel for every time somebody said this to you. There's a guy by the name of who wore number four for Boston, and there was always a comparator between you and him. He is a 14 yeah. year old played in that league for Oshawa, but it was in the Metro Junior League where Bobby Orr started. Yeah, and you played. Pl- I actually him. played in Bowmanville. In uh, dark, that's right. Dark, dingy little rink there, but yeah, Bobby was pretty good. He made the second team yeah. All Star as a fifteen-year-old. Did he? Yes. Oh, sorry. So he was doing a few things right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was hard to make the All Star team in those days because uh, there was always one taken. So the same in the NHL when he was there, he almost ruined hockey. <laughs> <laughs> one well, year he was plus one twenty-four. Remember that? Can you imagine? One twenty-six or something. Yeah, like a good year is to be plus 15 or 16. <laughs> 124 is ridiculous. Well, well can you imagine they that put a weight belt on him, him winning the, the scoring race? And Well, one year he had more assists than anybody else in the league had points Yeah, in the, in the National League. I mean, that's yeah. just unheard oh, yeah. of. Yeah, and that's when they had slashing and hooking and, and uh, yeah. you know, Pretty well anything you Yeah, but you can't hook what you can't yeah, hook you, you kill can't a guy. Catch. It was only a five minute penalty. <laughs> you just you couldn't do it twice in a game or you get kicked out. So I mean the part so where I was really, really sort of up in this long drawn out uh, you know, dissertation here was the fact that then then when the league folded the year after, the two teams merged, Neil McNeil and the Toronto Marlboros, and that produced that sixty three, sixty four team that won the World Cup. Eleven players from that club went on to play in the National Hockey League, and they for still over ten years, each guy played over ten years. I mean, th- talk a little bit about that club. Yeah, well, well Pete Stemkowski was our big gun, and then uh, Mike Mike Walton was the second center, and Rod Sealing, I think, was playing wing or center then. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry, who we had on defense. Oh, Jack Ship. Oh, well, Ronnie Ellis and uh, Britt Selby, two two guys were rookies of the year in the NHL. Of course, back in the old six-team league, there were only about four rookies a year, so you only had to you yeah. scored ten goals. You were a rookie of the year. Yeah, ceiling Wayne. Oh, swoop Wayne Carlton, Nick Harbrook. He was tough. Played in uh, Pittsburgh for three or four years. Uh, Ray DuPont, Ray Winterstein, Gary Deneen, Jerry Meehan played many years. So, I mean, it was pretty yeah. – uh, I mean, that was a stacked team. So they, they sometimes oh, yeah. refer to that team as one of the best junior teams ever put together. Yeah, we only lost one game in all the play. We had to play five series to win the uh, – The last ones. The, uh, yeah, we lost one game to NDG because we waxed them in the first game in Montreal and then had a day and a half in Montreal where – <laughs> a, a little out of oh, control. So, geez, yeah, what were you guys? Did you guys go bowling? Uh, yeah, just, I, maybe. 
Perhaps I don't have total recall on the on the, on the whole layoff, but uh, so we had a good time, and then the, we beat them out. Of now, I mean, five uh, games. I mean, and else, I mean, what way more to hockey club? I mean, I mean, but the other part of us now, the Leafs, you got called up as a junior. Like, how was walk us through that experience, or can you remember? Yeah, well, it, it wasn't such a big deal because every time I got kicked out of school, I'd have to practice <laughs> with the Leafs, so I, I was sort of, you know accustomed to being around the guys. Davey Keon used to give me a hard time all the time because he wanted me to move the puck, move the, he'd be screaming at me. Right? <laughs> I never wanted to play for them, but I got a hundred bucks to, to play. So, you know, it was quite a thrill. So I, my first game I played, I, I went to the track in the afternoon. <laughs> I thought it'd be a little too nervous to, uh, to sleep. So I went down to Greenwood and then Got to the rink at around five thirty or six o'clock and play. I think we played against Detroit or something like that. But I, I don't, you know, it wasn't a, like a big, a big, big deal. I figured I was going to play in the NHL for ten or twelve or fifteen years anyway. So. Well, but you know, nothing to get so excited well, I mean, about. Well, you did. You lost it. Wasn't a, a big deal. Yeah, it took me a little while to get there. I was three years in the minor leagues. So. I yes, went so. to my first training camp at 215 pounds. My playing weight was like 185, 190. So I wasn't in real top shape. <laughs> so I lasted about a day and a half, then got sent over the um, Rochester room, and then eventually got sent to Tulsa. Now in Rochester, you're in with Don Cherry. For that was Carson. later. That's that later was later? In the story. Yeah, it yeah, let me get That's to later that. on to get to that. I got kicked out of Tulsa first. For being a bad influence on the other guys on the team. I'm playing with guys that are 25, 26, 28 years old, and I'm 19, and I'm a bad influence on them. So they sent me to Rochester, which I was thrilled to go there because my best buddy, Gary Smith, was the goaltender there. Terry Clancy was also playing there. And uh, I knew somebody, I played a few games with Rochester when I was with the Marlies. So, you know, Al Arbor was there, and, uh, you know, I was the 19-year-old full-blown alcoholic, and then there was another guy on the team that was pissing and moaning about everything. And so nobody wanted to room with either one of us, so then they put us together, and I ended up rooming with Grapes for like three years. So how and was that? He resurrected my career. He, uh, he gave me the confidence to, uh, to get back on it. But he enjoyed you know, he, a beer he himself, He was fantastic, though. huh? But he enjoyed a beer himself, though, didn't he? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, he, he was uh, pretty lightweight. You know, like six, you know, after the game, you'd have like six. You know, I'd have six for breakfast. You know, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't. A, he wasn't a real a big guy. He enjoyed his beer, and all the guys did. You know, but uh, I just I got a little carried away with. Yeah. Like a lot of the guys were heavy drinkers, but they could always stop or moderate. I never could. Yeah. You know, I didn't. I didn't choose to be an alcoholic. I, I can't give you the date that. I chose to be a an alcoholic, but uh, you know I was at, at seventeen or eighteen years old. It was full blown. Yeah. So like alcoholics, they know now are are driven by a uh, hundred different forms of fear, self delusion, self seeking, self pity. So I was carrying that around with me for you know another twenty, twenty two, twenty three years, and uh, all all the way through my career. So that no wonder I had, I had like problems with confidence and all that kind of crap, you know. It, and it's not an excuse, it's just I had a disease, you know. It's just I still fact. have it. I'm going to die of alcoholism. I can slow it down by 
by uh, living in recovery, you know, and helping others. Well, I mean, while you're going through that all still, I mean, just think, I mean, you're not a guy, not that this makes any difference at all, but you're not a guy going to a nine to five job. You're going to a highly competitive, very compete First level. building, uh, yeah, endeavor. Yeah, it was great. And plus you had a lot of money. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the biggest uh, obstacles for uh, recovery and, and uh, 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 drug abuse, drug and alcohol abuse are uh, health, wealth, youth, and brains. So I had the youth. I, I was healthy. I had, I had money. I, did, I was stupid. So I had that going for me. But, you know, the, <laughs> the other three things, it was just, it, was, it, t- it took me a long time to get stopped. Well, plus a lot of downtime. Because, you know, you're playing games, you got proxies, and what do you do is fill the rest of your day? Go, yeah, right after. Like, yeah. In the third period, I'd never drink water. Forget I knew I had 12 beers in my bag, you know, and cold. Always had to be cold beer. <laughs> for 25 years, it was a quest for ice. So always had, And all my uh, bags were reinforced handles, and they were waterproof, watertight. <laughs> you know, they were great. Boy, you were well ahead of your time, Howie. Well, you, I, you know, you had to be organized. <laughs> so now, I mean, obviously this issue, be, be, you know, obviously would become known throughout the organization. I mean, how would, is this why part of the problem, obviously, you're getting sent back oh, yeah, to yeah, the miners? Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, we're, we're going to get rid of you, you know. Like, but uh, how can they if, never If you get... don't clean up your act, you know. But they you know, Like, they thought I had a choice, that I, you know, I could be a good guy or I could be a drinker. Yeah. I had no choice. Yeah. You know, once I started to think about drinking, I, I was going to drink, mm-hmm. you know. So they, they, they said uh, that they were going to throw me off the team. I said, well, why don't you trade me? They said, well, we've been trying to, but nobody wants you. I said, oh, okay. And so then they sent me to a doctor. The doctor put me on Antabuse, which is a, a drug that if, if you drink, you go, go into convulsions. So if you, the guy told me, if you want to drink on this, go right to Emerge, and uh, <laughs> you know they'll, they'll look after you there. Boy, you know. But after a while, you know, it didn't work on marijuana, so it was okay. You know. So, so I, I mean, I uh, got on the marijuana maintenance program. You know, but the the pot we had in those days was crap, right? Compared to the stuff they got today, like the THC count on, on our pot back then was like five. Now it's 30. And then I work at a treatment center now, and there's some of the guys that can reduce it down and, and get it into the, like the shale stuff yep. that's 90%. Or nine, nine, the count, the THC count is 90. Like it's stronger than heroin or anything. You know? Well, it's wow. uh, bingo. Yeah, it's remarkable that you've you've you've, you've turned your life around. You're giving back to others, and you know I know I know from some of the things you've done with us on the charity side, where you've just you're immediately coming, you're you're you know making your commitments to these events, and then you're off trying to help somebody else. That's so very commendable for what you've done. Well, I have to I have to help them, or I don't get better myself. Which so is it's, uh, sort of selfish, you know. So well, I'm working with somebody every day, every morning. I go to the coffee shop and I, I go through the big book with uh, different guys. Well, I think that's it's funny you mention that because, I mean, uh, well, obviously I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, not probably at a, as, at a, as early an age so as you were. There's no degree. No, but you're either are or you are Well, no, aren't. I am, but okay. I'm just saying. Okay, uh, but I love to do things for other people, too, and, and help other people. And you're right. It makes you feel good. And it, it kind of helps you. Yeah. Uh, get by one day and get to the next day without having a drink. And 
you know, well, without having a drink and not without the bad behavior, like my yeah. my behavior goes offside. Once I stop doing the things that I want, that I I'm supposed to do, I start thinking I'm normal. Mm -hmm. You know, and then my wife gives me some aggravation. I get a, you know <laughs> scream at her. And then I got to go back and make an amend. So you know. So let's I'm, I'm still crazy. So, well, you know, I mean, you you, know, you're never going to lose nobody that. Nobody would know that, but I mean, you know, from listening to me. <laughs> well, um, you did make a comment one time, I mean, back and forth in the mind. I mean, you, um, back and forth, you talked about starting your own moving company at one time, did you not? Because you're moving, moving, moving. Yeah, not movie. Oh, we'll get to the movie. Not a movie producer. We'll get to the movie in a minute. Buddy, uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, me and... Uh, Jim Dory, Jim Dory, I think we came up with that at uh, Wheels, Brian Glennie's bar. <laughs> we started talking about that. And we used to drink with all the writers all the time. You know, they were all our buddies. And so, uh, you know, they one of them heard that. So they started writing about uh, me and Flipper getting our own, uh, I don't know, Allied Van Lines franchise. And didn't one of the coaches find out and made a, said something to you? Not that I remember. Oh, I got that. You know, they they knew that we we're now know. sort of. I mean, I mean, between Punch, Johnny McClain, and Red Kelly. I mean, there's a real sort of array of uh, yeah. They were all, but great coaches. Yeah, they were all good. Like Punch was a hell of a coach. Yeah, and uh, like a, a lot of the things that he taught me, you know, and, and he taught you. So if you didn't do what he told you to do, you weren't playing. Didn't matter if it was me or Frank Mahovlich or Davy Keon or. You know, if, if you ever shot the puck and skated behind the net, whew, you'd get, you could do it once. If you did it twice, he, he'd almost tell you to take your gear off. He said, there's nothing happening behind the fucking net. <laughs> okay. All the action's in the front. That's where you score goals. The team with the most goals wins, okay? So go to the front and well, stay funny, on your wing. Funny you mention that because I, that's one of the things I always – preached when I coached was the same thing. Don't go by the net. No. Like, stop. Yeah, what are you, public skating? Go over to yeah, uh, City mean, Hall. The, the puck is going to arrive at the front of the net at some point. So if you go there, you're going to get opportunities to score goals. Like you said, you go behind the net. How yeah. the hell are you going to score a goal nothing. from behind yeah. the net? Yeah. Might you know? well wave to the folks and, you know. Yeah, it's just. A, uh, a cutie in behind the net or something. Who knows? So what about Red? Now, how was Red? Red was Red was great. Wasn't a big fan of mine, I don't think. But you know, <laughs> a little I, different lifestyle. I don't blame him. Yeah. yeah, he always wanted me to stay back. I only lined up at defense, and then I played the fourth forward. Wasn't that spot the pyra there. pyramid? The pyramid power. Well, we had that. Yeah, against the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. Philly. Philly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it didn't work that well. But uh, yeah, Red was great. Red was probably the fifth best player on our team when he was coaching. <laughs> you know, the guy, he's the he's the only guy in the history of the of the game that was a an all star defenseman defense and a forward and and yeah. forward, you know some four I, cups as a defenseman and four cups as a forward. Yeah, he he was uh, he was like one of the top three of all time. Yeah, that's the, amazing the player. He, he's just unbelievable player and a real nice guy. So I mean the the, the common theme with these guys. I mean obviously you had the ability. I mean you're very modest about your your talents, but. You, they, did these guys, these coaches, they, I mean, you, you respect all three of them, it sounds like, but did they just get you and they just kind of let you do your thing and just hope that it uh, worked out? Johnny did, McClellan, because I, I played pretty good for the first three, four years. 
And, uh, you know, I was getting lots of points. But I was playing the point in the power play. Then Salmi came, and that was the end of me. Jeez, that guy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but he, he was probably the best Leaf ever, you know, and uh, and a great guy. like The king. A great, great player and a great guy off the ice, like an, an amazing person. And so uh, yeah, I, I didn't play much after that. I was, you know, I started playing wing because I played wing in the American League when yeah. I was playing with Grapes and that. I was a, I was a winger, and uh, so I know how to play wing. And another thing, punch taught me too is when the puck comes around the boards, you either eat it or get it out. Um, yeah, oh yeah. Do not go into the middle with that puck. You and George Armstrong taught me how to do it. And Chief would tell us like he says, I can't skate, I can't shoot anymore, but I can get it out of our end. Anytime <laughs> you get it. Get that fucking puck around me. I don't care if it's coming around the glass. Get it over to me. That's my job now. You know, and uh, he taught he taught me how to do that. And and you, a lot of times I see guys like wingers are in the middle of the ice when the the defensemen are firing it around the, the boards, and you can't get to it. You know, or they take their eye off off the puck. You can never take your eye off the puck because it can it can hop or something. Then it goes to the defenseman. The defenseman just fires it back in. But when the, the Leafs blew that uh, four-goal lead uh, against, against Boston. Boston several years ago. Yes. So, oh. and, and they were just, uh, the wingers were just letting the puck go around like, like you couldn't believe it. A guy texted me and said, this, it's all over. I said, it's just started. <laughs> <laughs> Watch this. And, uh, you know, cause, and that, that, was all, that wasn't the goalie's fault. And it wasn't the defenseman's fault. You know, the wingers had to get their asses on the boards and get the puck out. That's their job. Well, it's a, it's a matter of wanting to do it and wanting most of the time to take a hit oh, to, yeah. to you, do you're it. You're always getting run by the defenseman yeah. coming in behind you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you, you know that's going to So if you're happen. not willing to hang in there and either, like you say, eat it or make sure you get it out because you're going to get hit. Something's going to happen. And... Yeah. I mean, if you're not willing to do it, then then you're not going to get it done. And that, I think that's probably No, but you get away thing. with it. Like, that. nobody called a timeout and said, hey, come on. You know, oh, not maybe, in our maybe day, you though. guys should start doing that. No, not in our, our day. day or your oh, day. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you didn't oh, get no, that puck yeah, out, yeah, you, oh, you yeah. were on the bench. Oh, yeah, you wouldn't play. Well, look at Pittsburgh under Sullivan. I mean, look at the size of the forwards they had and went back-to-back Stanley Cups. Yeah. So, to your point. That's yeah. why they won. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They had guys like Kessel on that side, and they got the puck out. Oh. Well, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but he they did. would not go out Kessel's side. Well, Trust you, me. Yeah. I was going to say, me. I don't know. Have a did. look at the film, okay? <laughs> I just want to remind you who Holy. they had on that club. Yeah. And some of the guys said, so, I, I mean, I think you touched on it. Gary Smith, who's your favorite all time teammate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he won a Stanley or um, a Vesna trophy in uh, Chicago. And, uh, he, he played great there. He was a great goalie, where, where, and he went to the, like 15 different teams, I think. That's not – He had a bit it, of a that behavioral suitcase? problem. Huh? Is that suitcase? Gary, Gary Axe, the Axe. Oh, the Axe, so okay. They, the, his buddy's out there in uh, – he lives in uh, Encinitas now. Or but that's Del, a Smith Delmar. as well. The guy is just, yeah. just called Suitcase. Yeah. yeah. No, but yeah, they call him Suitcase out there, but his name is Axe. So it's, where did the Axe come from? The Axe came from a guy named Wilbur Mao who was a little challenged. Some guy was chasing Wilbur down the uh, down Bloor Street. And, and <laughs> I thought with, you were going to say With an down, Axe. Down with an Axe. The guy with had an, an axe. axe. Yeah, and 
Smitty went out and tackled the guy. So from then on, he became the axe. Mike Corbett nicknamed him the axe, and that's, oh, that's what we've called him ever since. Well, speaking of axe and using that word act as in movies, movies. Face Off came along. Face Off, yeah. You were going to be the star of the show there. You were Billy I Duke, were you Yeah, I did three screen tests. I was so bad, they figured they better, they got to get another guy. So they got Art Hindle. Yeah, I was terrible. So Hindle bullshitted them, said he used to play hockey. He never had skates on in his life. He was a football player. <laughs> and uh, he could, but he needed the part because he needed the money. Uh, he was probably getting two, three hundred a week. So you and Dory and uh, him kind of were hanging around together because you were doing the skating parts, you guys. And yeah, yeah. So we took him. Uh, yeah, we took him and, and showed him how to put hockey equipment on it, and we could push him along the ice. We went to an outdoor rink and showed him how to you know, get his balance and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, overall, yeah, that art, whole experience. Art was great. I, I well, I, yeah, I, I met people doing that movie that are still friends of mine today. You know, so it, it was great. It was a great experience. And, and John Bass was a, a really good guy. Yes. Like, really good guy. He was good for hockey. Well, he was a visionary. I mean, there's a whole discussion could do if the fact if his father had stayed in charge of the Toronto Maple Leafs, where the Leafs well, might have yeah. been if he'd been brought in. You were talking about that. You mentioned that to me. Yeah. And, of course, I played for John in uh, uh, Birmingham. Birmingham, yeah. And uh, you were talking about had his father uh, stayed on the board yeah. and then – John had come in and been on the board as well. Where would the lease be all those years since '67? Because uh, Harold and and Smythe would have been gone, and uh, things yeah. might have been a whole lot different. Yeah, well, we lost a, a lot of players to the uh, WHA because the Leafs didn't have any money. They were being floated by the TD Bank at that time because um, Harold and and Stapp had uh, a private plane. I once got sent to Rochester in 11 minutes. <laughs> Bingo. And it was a one-way trip. Yeah, you're not coming back. Yeah. Uh, it was great because they had to use the plane every once in a while. But, I mean, you know, it was a total waste of money and all of, you know. They just, they didn't make any money then. Yep. And, and that's why they couldn't afford to keep guys like Jimmy Harrison and, and uh, Paul Henderson, Davey Keon, uh, Lee. Ricky Lee, uh, Brad Selwood. Uh, Did you get a shot to no, go to the WHA? Not Davey to mention Keon. Bernie Perrant was Perrant a pretty was good goalie, one. wasn't he? He, he, yeah, he, he, he okay. did okay. Stop the puck. Yeah. Yeah. How many left here? Yeah. He left. He okay. What about you? Did you get a shot to go to the WHA? Yeah, I could have gone to uh, Chicago. They offered me uh, seven hundred and fifty grand for five years. If they would have had the money, I would have gone. <laughs> but, uh, I, I think it all fell apart, and so I got offered that by uh, Johnny too. That he had uh, me and Ronnie Allison Henderson over to his place for dinner one night, and uh, uh, Gord Lightfoot was there yeah. with uh, Kathy Smith, was his girlfriend at that time, and uh, I wanted to, you know make a good impression so I didn't start drinking until about noon <laughs> and uh, got there at about 7.30 and I, I was flying pretty good and we had uh, we had dinner and then he called us into his office like he had the, the, the office yeah. that we, you know with all the, the leather bound books and all that shit and uh, he said well I guess you guys know why we you know why I, I had you here I want you all to come and play for the Toros you know, and so Henny says, well, we, you know, we'd have to talk to Al first, uh, Eagleson. I, I said, uh, you know, 
screw well, what, what kind of money you offer? You know? <laughs> he said, uh, 750 grand for five years. That's 150 a year. I said, if you got the contract, I'll sign it right now. Uh, but he could only afford to sign one of us, and uh, Henny was Mr. Canada by then. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, they, they got him. And then, but in the meantime, Ronnie and I signed with, uh, with the Leafs for like double or triple what we were making before. So, you know, it was great. I thought I hit the lottery. I'm from Ottawa East, right? I'm making 120 grand a year. Holy Christ. It's funny you I, mentioned. I was hammered for two years. You mentioned two guys. Ronnie Ellis, probably one of the one, most wonderful people I've ever met. Oh, good met. guy. Great, uh, great, amazing Boris Solomon. So yeah. when I get traded to Toronto, yeah. they put me in the dressing room. I got Ron Ellis on one side, and I got Boris Solomon on the other side. It was like that co- the cartoon where the devil and the and the angel on, on <laughs> opposite shoulders. I'm going, yeah. like, which way uh, should I go, right? Yeah. And it's like, well, obviously I right. went... The other no, way, no, no. <laughs> I went the wrong I way. Go with the king, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to go with yeah, the king, yeah. and uh, so but Ron, but Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie was fantastic, be, and then he should be in the uh, Hall of Fame. He works at the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he should be in the NHL Hall of Fame. You ask any winger that played against him, and like that one of the best defensive wingers. In, yeah, oh, yeah, he would just beat you up. Like, yeah, through the guys well, just like, hated playing against him. It's like Brian Sutter played in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had to play against him for I don't know how many years in the same division, and he, oh, yeah, my God, I oh, mean, yeah. it was just a grind every night. Like, yeah, I was getting hacked, whacked, hooked, slashed, you name it. And but we never had a fight. We never had a fight. We just whacked each other all, all night long. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> go home and yeah. you'd be bruised and everything. But uh, but it was great. It was uh, that was part of the game back then. It was. Just the way it was. Yeah. yeah. So Ronnie was tough. Part of the game, uh, Howie. So just we're getting uh, close to here, but the couple of things, some of the characters in the game. Like, did you meet any of your equivalents throughout playing? Um, oh no, like guys like Derek Sanderson or. Yeah, like just some of the characters that you, you, know, you got to uh, chum Ian with. Turnbull was Turnbull there when you yep. were there? Yeah. 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 <laughs> the hot. Yeah. He was, yeah. He was a beauty. Yeah. Well, it's funny when he got traded to, state, to L.A., he had to. I guess he owed uh, the government some back taxes or something. Oh, it yeah. Was quite a bit. Yeah. So we're in Colorado, and Jerry McNamara is the GM, and I forget who was the coach at the time. I guess it would have been uh, Floyd Smith, probably. Anyway, we're at the uh, one of the restaurants, and all the guys are there, and the brass are at, at a table there. So... We're all leaving at like quarter to 11 and Hawk's sitting in a big leather chair with the arms and everything with yeah. a great big uh, uh, snifter or whatever of uh, uh, cognac. Cognac, yeah, he liked that and, stuff, uh, yeah. And uh, he was still there when they walked out and yeah. he got traded the next day. So he got his wish. Yeah. And uh, so that, that, was how, that was how he pulled that one off. Well, yeah, he probably did a few other things too. Well, yeah, he did. He, yeah. Yeah, he he was out there. But, so a, he, but he was a, he was a character. Yeah, Red used to make him play on the wing every once in a while when he was giving the puck away and all yeah. that. <laughs> uh, one, one night, he and Boria were minus four in a period, in one period, you know. And and uh, that was when uh, Roger was there. Roger comes in, he's yelling and screaming, and and uh, and Hawk says, 
Raj, cut me some fucking slack, would you? Why don't you talk to the franchise over there, <laughs> which is Paul Mateer. Or Paul Mateer. Yeah, Paul Mateer. He makes three more stops. We're not having this fucking conversation. <laughs> Everybody in the room was roaring laughing, right? We're down for nothing, but you know, we're all just screaming laughing. And he didn't give a shit, you know? But he could he could play. Oh yeah. He would, when he got out there and was playing, he was he was he could really play. Well, he really his 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 true metal came through that series against the Islanders when Salming went yeah. down. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he yeah. really showed the player yeah. he was. Yeah. Oh, he was he was he was an excellent player, and and he was strong. He was a oh god, uh, like had, strong as an ox. Wrists yeah. like it was unbelievable. Yeah. Oh yeah, his wrists were like as you know, the same size as his forearm. Was just. Yeah, he he could fight too. He had gas off one night, knock him out with one punch. Well, I know uh, Howie. We've been uh, we've been enjoying every minute of this. I mean, we could talk to you forever. I mean, is there any one story you want to leave us with before you go? Uh, uh, but it's been very enlightening. No, I just I, I love I love playing because of the guys. You know? mm -hmm. I loved all the guys, and and a lot of people. Wonder if you were really upset when guys jumped to the WHA and all that stuff. But I, I wasn't really because uh, it gave more guys a chance to play, you know, and make and, more and money. I, and, yeah. Oh God, yeah. Bobby Hall was my all-time idol. He did more for hockey oh, than, yeah. than anybody in the history of the game. We well, got paid you know, well to do it too, yeah. though. <laughs> but yeah. but still, I'm sorry, Mr. Bettman, but <laughs> you know, maybe you're second. Well, he's a if, hockey if he was in my backyard, I'd close the curtains. But uh, <laughs> Bobby, Bobby was great. You know, Bobby, uh, you know, taking a chance and, and going to Winnipeg like that. If he hadn't gone there, the league wouldn't have got credibility. Yeah. And, you know, and then Cheevers went and then, then Keon went. and Sanderson. And, yeah. Was, yeah, it just was all of them it after was, there. Yeah. Now, but you in your day, yeah. Now, I think what you told me straight off air here at that that they, you got they were talking about uh, stick sponsorship. Didn't you? Did, did Louisville? Oh did yeah, stick? Well, I thought like Squid was never got paid for using no. sticks. No, never yeah. got like it, But when uh, Louisville Slugger came out, they they um, they were giving us um, first it was golf clubs and then pool tables from Brunswick. Cause Holy Brunswick cow! And then, uh, then it was five hundred bucks, and then the next year they gave me fifteen hundred not to use their stick, <laughs> so, which was great, you know. So that was three really good years. Well, you got the pool yeah. table and the and the golf clubs. So. Yeah. Oh. Then I changed over to Coho, got dick. I got nothing from them. Then I went to, when I was playing over in Europe, I couldn't even get my pattern. I had to use some other guy's pattern. And then I had to. I, sometimes you couldn't get right-handed sticks there, so I'd have to put them. I'd get those titans. Oh yeah, you use they're, they're like logs, and uh, put it in the oven, and then uh, bend, bend them to, yeah. bend them to make them rice. And uh, you know, I was I was really hot with uh, coho because I was one of the first guys to use coho in the NHL. Yeah, and uh, but Brewer was one of the first to bring that. Wasn't he the one to bring that over originally? Who did? Wasn't he involved in that at one point, or was that Jaffa? Uh, Carl Brewer. Oh, Carl. Yeah, Yofa. Yofa. Yofa, and then he had uh, Montreal. Yeah. He had a buddy that, that right. brought in Montreal sticks, they which, all which were good too. And they all yeah. came. Yeah, Carl, Carl is responsible for all those guys in Finland. Like, he was like a god over there. And he taught them how good they had to be to come here and play in the NHL. So he, he changed hockey in Scandinavia. Because wow. the, the Finns were always playing against the... 
the Swedes, they hated each other. To me, they're all the same. I, I couldn't tell a Swede from a Finn. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, they, you know, when they played against each other, the Finns got really good. Mm -hmm. And then the Swedes had up their game, and then all those the Swedes came over here. You know, yeah. we, we had a lot of great Swedes and, and a great a lot of great Finns. You know, and team with Solani wasn't wasn't yeah. too bad. Uh, there's been a lot of them that come over. They've been great players, and they're still coming over. They're still coming. Yeah, and, uh, they're 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 great players still, and uh, they do a great job over there. Yeah, and they're good guys. Oh yeah, good yeah. guys. Like yeah. all, all good people. I never met a bad person that came from. Well, Howie, it's been a pleasure. Thank Howie's you so much, my man. Thank you. Great much. always seeing yeah. you. Thanks, and, Howie. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Squid. Yeah. Okay, and we'll be back okay. in a minute. Okay, Squid, so, boy, Jimmy, what a character, isn't he? <laughs> what a character. I, I tell you, it, it, would, it would have been amazing after hearing some of the stories, uh, if you were following him around during that time and, and seeing what, what he did, uh, but still was able to go and play in the National Hockey League for that many, that, that many years. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Well, if you think about it, like the talent, level he must have had to live yeah. the life he was living and, and be still able perform to be that good yeah. in the last like 12 13 years yeah absolutely uh, it, it was absolutely remarkable well he is quite a character he's loved by all and you can see why he i don't think there's a team that ever met him that didn't like him <laughs> oh, and he, he's fantastic just what a guy and he's always been the first guy to step up i know when deb and i have hosted our charity events you know rv the same way uh he's the first guy to volunteer to come and help and you know he shows up and then he's off to helping people at meetings and coffee yeah. shops and anybody with addiction problems and he's right there to, to to mend the fence if he can so well hopefully we'll get him back on again and we'll go through some further stories because we didn't really get to touch on his uh career on behind the microphone or as a model no that's so right those yeah. are a couple of things we can probably get to so yeah. We're coming to that segment of the show for you and I, where we just kind of run through what's going on around the league. Uh, just a couple of short thoughts here. The cap. With uh, everything going on around the world as we see it right now, there's talk of the cap going up, maybe 5 or $6 million. As I said, with everything what? going around the world, I find that very difficult to believe. I could see no change at all, especially where the Canadian dollar is. So the whole point of this exercise is, I mean, the escrow goes up if that cap goes up. So all these things that are all combined. But let, let's just stay with status quo and say the cap as what as it is what happens if our beloved maple leafs don't make the playoffs there has to be changes i would imagine there will be and uh, the cap will factor in on this obviously yeah obviously the cap will factor in on it because uh I, I don't see it going up uh i mean they said it was going up this year and it didn't uh it actually went down a little bit i believe i mean if it, i can't see it going up like like yourself but if they were to miss the playoffs, then they're probably going to have to move one of the, the big four out uh, because th that's a lot of money. And they're going to have to do that in order to get multiple players, maybe two, uh, that will give them a little bit more depth. And, yeah. uh, you know, and it, it's sad to think about that, but that is the reality of a cap world. And that's what we're dealing with. Uh, it's one of those, it's one of the downfalls of having an embarrassment of riches which the Maple Leafs have in talent well and you you look no further than what happened to the Chicago Blackhawks exactly you know that they, they signed Kane and Taves for ten and a half million a piece and then all of a sudden won a Stanley Cup and all of a sudden at the end of the year you had to get rid of four players 
And then the next year they had the next time they won it, they had to get rid of another four or five. Like it's it's uh, and good players, good players. So uh, Toronto would be in that position uh, if if they, you know, even if they make the playoffs, it depends on the cap. If the cap goes up, they're fine. If it doesn't, if it doesn't move, then okay. I I believe one of the one of the top four guys are going to have to m- get moved. Well, I just, I just, as I said, I'm looking at the way things are economically around the world right now with what's going on, and the way the Canadian dollar's performing. Well, it's gonna yeah, be I don't tough. think it's going up, especially if they start playing in front of empty buildings near the end of the year. Yeah, if that's that ever, yeah, that'd, that'd be even worse. Yeah, so too. So we will watch that with uh, much interest, obviously. And speaking of the NHL moving into the playoffs, what about a couple of these new rules? The um, we've got the puck, or actually, actually the puck coming in now with it's going to you know take data, player speed, and but what mystifies me in that, great, it's great to start new technology, but why why bring this out during the biggest time of the year during the playoffs if something went wrong? Yeah, I I, I mean I don't know. I mean it's it's interesting. No question. I mean, there's no question. Uh, getting the speed of what a player's going, how how fast he's skating, how how hard the shot is, or even a pass. Yeah, I mean it's interesting, but. You know, why would you not do that at the beginning of the season? Like in exhibition games first, see how it, it you know, works. Because remember the last time they tried that, it was a big failure. And, you know, you don't want that to happen at the end of the season or in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Well, especially and, now, on the other note, you've got this new offside rule they're talking about amending with the foot in the air. But they're going to wait on that one. So why? Yeah, like, they're going to wait on that, but they're not going to wait on something that could really affect the game, exactly. and that's the technology of the of the puck. And ninety percent of those offside rules have nothing to do with the goal that's gone in the net. No, exactly. But a little mystifying at times. I, I like the fact that they're changing that. I, I love because the idea if your foot is that. off the ground and you're, it's not over the plane, it's not offside. I, I like the change. Uh, I like the fact that they're waiting until next year, but I think they should be waiting until next year on everything that they're going to change, including no. the technology in the puck. Um, brings us to the next subject, Ottawa. The mess going on in Ottawa, your original hometown, with the ownership problems, leadership problems. So the thought being, LeBreton Flats, I mean, is that ever going to happen? It keeps getting pushed to the back burner all the time. So my thinking is, you know, I mean, who is really going to step up and spend that kind of money for a hockey team that a couple years ago was a goalpost away from advancing close to the finals? Yet here's the team probably at its strongest position they've been in a number of years with some of the depth in in the organization. Uh, The Belleville team is one of the top teams in American Hockey League with just oozing with talent. They have three first-round picks. Two could be lottery picks. Is this time maybe to move this team? Well, I think if you're Eugene Melnick, this is the time. This is the time. This is when you're going to get the most money probably for it that you probably could ever have gotten, and probably maybe will ever get. And uh, and it's a great time for someone else that that is not controversial like him to come in, smooth the waters in Ottawa, and get that project done. And you know, so that they have a new, brand new home downtown Ottawa and everything else around it like they did in Edmonton. Uh, I think it would be wonderful for the city. It would be wonderful for the organization if that happened. Yeah, it's probably the next big move in the NHL would be there. And Quebec is probably the logical candidate for a new home. Houston's also been talked about. So there's a lot of destinations that 
you know, are going to come up in the radar yeah, what, screen. I mean, how how many more teams can we put in? I mean, can you put? I mean, you're well, at, you're going to be at 32 with Seattle. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine that you can go any higher than 34. Would probably be the limit. Well, it's probably a transfer. So I wanted the teams to keep it at 32. Yeah, I guess, one. but and that would work. Uh, but uh, but again, another topic that's going to be debated. Yeah, probably. And this is probably if again, if I'm the owner of that hockey club, probably strong position to be in. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, so anyway, so it brings us to another end to one of our uh, shows. Second, hopefully the door fobs work next week. Their uh, producer Steve. So he's giving us the thumbs up, so they, it sounds like they may. Uh, we'd love to hear back from you guys on today's show. Any questions, any thoughts, anything you'd like to discuss going further, uh, you can reach Squid on Instagram. His uh, handle is Rick Vive. Uh, Twitter is uh, Rick Vive 22 Me, I'm the Ultimate Leafs fan on Instagram and on Twitter. It's you Leafs fan. We'd love to hear from you guys. And I'll leave you with this thought. Maybe the Maple Leafs could... Use this as maybe this one should be posted on the board in the Maple Leaf dressing room when they go play Nashville tomorrow night. And that could be, remember, hard work beats talent when talent does not work hard. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that's, right now, that would, that's probably the best message they could receive. And on that note, we're going to bid you farewell, folks, and we'll talk to you again next week. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. 